if you could control the flow of the accounting data starting January 1st, and you can do it under the control of you're going to have access to everything you need when you need it to close those books every month, then doing the tax return is easy because you've been in it every month. You know that the numbers are real. I mean, for crying out loud, how many times if you go to a, a tax account and you've been doing your books internally in your own company, do you think he trusts those numbers or she trusts those numbers? No. Welcome back to the latest episode or the next episode of Strategy in the Virtual Controller, where I, Damien Gravesett, my co-host, Penny Breslin, we sit down and we discuss what's happening in accounting and bookkeeping firms and identify opportunities for, for accounting firms and, and bookkeeping firms to change that organizational structure, change what they do, change their reason for, for being in business. And uh, hopefully we share a couple of the mistakes that we've made along the way uh, so that uh, you, our, 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 uh, our avid listener, doesn't, doesn't fall into the same traps that we've either made or that we've seen working with firms uh, around the US and around the world. Penny, how are you today? Awake. <laughs> Now, Penny, you were literally in Chennai this time, well, probably at the start of this week. You're in Chennai. Yeah, I left Chennai Tuesday morning, Chennai time. And so it's it Thursday afternoon. Yeah, Monday afternoon, US. Anyone I, that's done that international dateline type thing, you leave on a Tuesday and you arrive on a Thursday and Wednesdays just disappear or something well, it, similar. It's the other way coming back. Right. I leave on Tuesday and I get home on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've actually been in the air for 21 hours, yeah. <sighs> now, Penny, that was the first time you've been to Chennai since, what, 2019 or early 2020 before the pandemic? Since I got back in January of 2020 and my older sister who worked in epidemiology and virology called me and said, you know what you just went through? And I went, no, but it was weird. And it turned out, because I was in Hong Kong at the time. Yeah. What was the, I mean, just sort of quite interested, what were some of the big differences that you've seen or some of the things that you were surprised not to be different? I mean, you traveled to India quite regularly to see your business partners, Shamila and Namila in Chennai. And then prior to that, with various companies, what were some of the differences you saw? It wasn't so much differences. Well, <laughs> Everything's back to normal as far as traffic and smog and pollution. <laughs> but it was surprisingly, it was kind of like there was a little bit of a, what's different? And they were experiencing the same thing that we have here in that, and in talking to a few other business owners there, people want to remote. They don't want to work in the office anymore. And I don't blame them. If you, I mean, my hotel is seven kilometers from the office. And sometimes it takes 45 minutes to an hour, <laughs> you know, depending yeah. on the time of day. And you could tell like in the hotel, and I've been going to the same hotel for eight years. I mean, I walk in there, I know everybody that works there, they know me. And it was surprising how many of them weren't there this time. And so they're having a hard time filling some of their jobs. One of my partners, her husband's a manufacturer, and he is, it's taking him a bit to you know, get supplies, everything is kind of drug out just the way it is here in the United States. And then my other partner's husband works for a big international firm, and they're having a difficulty with turnover 
hiring and finding the proper candidates. And part of that is that just like our schools were shut down and they were on Zoom for two years, so were the Indians. And so there is, there's a lot of catch up on education that is needing, and they can tell it like mom, both my partners have kids who are 10 and 11. Shamila has twins and Emil has a daughter. And they both discussed and talked about how they saw their kids had fallen back on their educational needs. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it was almost like I was having the exact same conversation with them as I was having with business owners and people here in the United States, which just shows you that, you know what, we're all the flipping same. We're, we're all the same, same yeah. yeah. And it was funny because, you know, Raj, Shamila's husband, who said, you know, we're going to set up hybrid work. We do, because we talked about how it's not always necessary to be in the office, but there are times when everybody should get together. And, and he and I talked about that, and he manages probably about 200 people. So it's kind of yeah. interesting to see his viewpoint. And their hybrid idea is the way they're going to work it. But it just, you know, he said it's funny that the one difference with our office is they all want to go to the office. For them, it's a break. Yeah. It's like the girl said, it's comfortable and there's no pressure. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like you're always under pressure to go, no, not really. Because, you know, if somebody said, how come they can do things faster? It's like, well, they don't have telephones. They don't have social media. They don't have anything that's distracting them. And they come in with an agenda and the agenda is to do the work. And the kids and, are downstairs being looked after. The chef's in the kitchen preparing meals and they're not worried about working overtime and shit getting home in the dark because you take care of that. And yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's because you take care of it. They're comfortable. Yeah. They, they come in to be very focused on what they're there for. Well, you know, and I know somebody's going to get upset with me when I say this, but on the flight over, there was another company that was on the plane and that had several employees and they were an outsourcing company for um, an insurance company. Anyways, I happened to be sitting next to one who was, he was very chatty. <laughs> it was his first time going to India, so he had lots of questions. And, and But he said, he goes, I've worked with India. And he said, he goes, one of the things in my industry, what I find is that you'd sit there and watch him on Zooms and there'd be one woman for every 10 men. And he goes, have you ever seen this? And I said, what? And he goes, where a woman gives some information or an idea and she's just, everybody goes quiet and then turns their back to her. And then five minutes later, a man will propose the same thing and it's the greatest <laughs> idea than sliced bread. And I went, oh yes. <laughs> Absolutely. The women in my office say they have a voice <laughs> and I've seen it in America and I've seen it in Europe and I've seen it everywhere. And I've seen it not only with just men and women, but people of different groups. It is what it is. And so you learn to deal with it and move beyond it and eventually, hopefully, slowly change it over time. But it's fascinating. The problems are the same no matter where you go. Mm. And probably just different scale and maybe just sort of different socioeconomic considerations yeah. underpinning it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, At the end of the day, all of us are humans and we all want the same thing, right? So, yeah, yeah. very true. Yeah. And really enjoyed talking to Shamila and the Miller and learning about what they want to do and 
I thought their entrepreneurial journey was really interesting, but more exciting is what their vision for the company is. I thought that was really exciting that at what, 40, 45 people, they want to 10X that. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I found it fascinating. And I told them afterwards, I said, you know, people ask me a lot about what it's like and what you do. And, and I could tell some things, but I felt like they told a part of their story that I've always known about, but I've never felt like it was my place to tell. It was mm-hmm. their place to tell. And they have formulated it over the years so that it was very coherent and very focused. I could tell you that three years ago, they couldn't have had that same conversation with the same confidence that they've got right now. And that, to me, is just awesome. And an indicator of their, their sort of set up to make that growth. They've obviously, you've invested in more office space, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And, and as you said, they probably wouldn't have been confident doing that three years ago, but they probably mentally, organizationally weren't ready for it either. Well, they spent the, so much of the early part of this being accountants. Yeah. And I'm not saying that as a put down, but they were focused on accounting. They were focused on the work of accounting. And they kind of left the operational part up to me. And whenever I would want to suggest a change, it was hard for them to wrap their head around it because they are basically accountants and change is difficult for them. Well, you heard them talk about how great they thought, you know, QBO and Zero was. And, you know, <laughs> and yet eight years ago when I said, look it, you're going to have to learn QBO if you want to do this. And they're like, no, no, no. We like QuickBooks desktop. We don't like QBO. And then they're a year like later, they're like, we hope nobody ever comes to us with a desktop file. QBO <laughs> 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 and Zero. So, I mean, everything, we're all like getting an HR person in there. What do we need that for? We have these consulting firms. I said, because you should not be involved in this. They should only be brought to you when they're finally on their final interview and get ready to hire. You need to step out of that process. You know, it's just different things. Like they just, I said, when I made them hire an administrative assistant, I was using her and it took them a couple of months. I go, well, just give it to her. Well, she won't be able to do it. Well, just because she's not an accountant doesn't mean she's unintelligent. You know? <laughs> and work it out, like g- give yeah. it to the person. And you've hired a, a capable person and with a skilled person, but there's either, well, we haven't trained them properly. We haven't done that. And it's like, well, just give it to them and see how they go. And then use that as an on-the-job training opportunity. I, I'm sort of becoming much more comfortable with that idea of, I used to hold on to things and be like, oh, I've got to spec it all out and I've got to be really detailed in my scoping document, my briefing document. But actually what I've realized is the team is incredibly capable, brief it, tell them what you're trying to do, give it to them. And nine times out of 10, they'll come back with something better than you had in your mind anyway. So yeah, it's just an interesting part of the process. Well, yeah. And the discussion for the last two years, and I finally got buy-in on, was the idea that do we always have to have an accountant that we hire and train technology. I said, I would like you to hire some technology people so we can work with the apps more and train them on the accounting part. And they went, well, we'd have to try. I said, you're training anyways. You just, yeah. I said, 80% accounting, 20% technology. You're going to hire somebody who's the reverse. And when I said it like that, they went, oh, well, then I also showed them things like ChatGPT and Dali and a few other things. And they went, 
my God. Because they do get wrapped up in the work. Yeah. I mean, literally, they go in there and it's a solid eight-hour shift for everybody. Sometimes it's a little bit longer. The day before we had that party for the company, the day before that, God's Grace, one of our team leads, she ended up working till 10.30 at night to finish something for a client. Definitely got her, I gave her a bonus for that. But basically, they go in there and they're focused on accounting, accounting, accounting. And sometimes they just need to be woke up to the idea that technology has changed and there's something new on the horizon and you need to hire differently. Even they do. And so basically they're getting a crash course in, it's not just the numbers, the book that you and I put together and is available at cpatrendlines.com. So shameless plug for the book that we referenced throughout, throughout the podcast. But yeah, it is very much a, for all intents and purposes, you are their business partner, but you're also their business coach, aren't you, Penny? Yeah, kind of, yeah. But I, you know, I was just like this year, I just told him, I said, this is, to me, it feels like you guys are on it. They're ready to fly. <laughs> I mean, I see, and definitely hiring the HR person. She has built, she has built a camaraderie there. There was always a good camaraderie, but we've doubled the number of people. And it's amazing when I talk to these women, how open they are and how not shy they are with me, like they have been in the past with other hires how free they are in stating what they want. And I attribute a lot of that to Victoria and what she does to make them feel like one unit. And the leadership classes that she gives the team leaders. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I really think that I was so damn impressed with the interview that you gave them and the way they spoke. I was impressed. You said earlier in the episode, uh, early in today, that you know what, regardless of where we come from in the world, where we all have hopes and dreams and whatever it is from that perspective. And <laughs> as you were saying that, you're like, this accounting firm that you're talking about could be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It could be in Sydney, New South Wales, but this one's in Chennai, India. And so, again, it's a lot of people have this preconception or misconception about what is an outsourcing firm. But at the end of the day, it's an accounting firm, probably just like yours with people, with technology, with process and challenges and solving those challenges. And instead of the individual clients being the business client, the actual client is the accounting firm. So it's just slightly different, but same problems. And I did a shameless plug for the book and I'll, I'll do a shameless plug for Penny and I, if you would actually like us to get involved in coaching your firm through some of these challenges like outsourcing, put that to the side, but sort of getting clear on what you want to do with your business, where you want to take it, how to structure the team, how to get your workflow and technology really doing what the technology promises, then reach out to us on LinkedIn. We can have just a, an introductory chat. But again, a lot of experiences of working with firms and helping firm owners get that clarity in, in what they're looking for. And then someone to hold you to account at the end of the day. Penny, um, we didn't actually plan on having such a, <laughs> that discussion on today's episode. Any last comments there before we actually switch yeah. over to what no, we wanted I, to talk I about? Think, I think if they listen to the one before this, where the Shamil and Miller are being interviewed, that speaks for itself. And I'll yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So today's episode, we were sort of strategizing and, and thinking around a couple of emails that have come in, a couple of things that we've seen on Twitter. Penny, I'll hand over to you because you got an email from one of your 
sort of one of your bookkeeping clients. So not one of the accounting firm clients, but one of the small businesses that you do bookkeeping for. And I know that's a small part of what you do, but I'll hand over to you and take it away. Yeah. In this case, the reason they're a client is their office is like right in front of my house. And when the owner had of that particular business had a problem with his QuickBooks, my daughter said, my mom can fix it. So we helped them for a couple of years and then they sold out. And the new owner said, well, will you continue doing it? So I have. And anyway, she was going to Chennai because <laughs> she owns a yoga studio and to see her guru and in Chennai. And she wanted to know if she could visit the office. And we helped her get set up with accommodations and a driver and all of that. And so I was flying to Chennai. And actually, she was probably flying in when I was flying out. But when I was flying on my way there, I was at the airport and she called me and she said, you know, that tax account you found for me, they quadrupled the fee that Michael used to charge me. And I went, how long did you work with Michael? And she goes, eight years. And we never <laughs> raised his prices. So I first said, of all, <laughs> if you're an accountant and you've never raised your prices in eight years, please, you, you might not be able to do it this tax season, but my goodness, you're doing every other accountant a disservice. <laughs> really? Sorry, Betty. So I said, so what's your problem? She goes, well, I know that this accounting firm that you gave me, I said, yeah, they've helped you get a PPP. They helped you with your earned tax credits for employee retention. They've helped you convert to an S-Corp. They've done all of those things for you. Yeah. Okay. And now you're telling me, here it is the last week of January, that you would like me to find you another tax account because the last guy didn't raise his prices for eight years. I said, you want me to tell you how I know what tax software they use? I know how much they probably spent on it this year alone. And I told her. And I said, and do you know what the price of getting a CPA and is how to do a tax return is to work for you in this day and age? Come on, Vinita, you've been here long enough. You've seen what's gone on for the last two years. She goes, yeah. I said, so what do you want me to do as I get on this plane to India? She goes, have a good trip. You're right. I'm gonna <laughs> and I'm going to pay the price. You're not paying the price. You got good quality work. And for eight years, you didn't pay the price. And for eight years, I told her over and over again, you need to convert to an SQP. And this particular tax, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. And I would say, you know, I'd be the one telling her, separate your personal and your business. Let's put your, you know, your people in a payroll system that doesn't cost you so much. You know, I was doing all that for her because she's a good friend. But now this tax account is doing it for her. So, you know, I basically is it, her of the value added. And she said, I'll write the check. But isn't it interesting that you're <laughs> you're doing that in sales pitch for the accounting firm? Because and for this accounting firm, and this accounting firm is doing all the right things in terms of what you said, like in terms of converting them and whatnot. But they obviously haven't been able to communicate the value effectively and, and why all of this is important to her that she's had to come back to you for that reassurance. And now she's okay with it. But again, your accounting firms, even though they've done all the right things, they're still struggling to communicate the reason, the value, why they're doing it so that the client is like, oh, yeah, okay, let me write the check. And I hope, I please tell me she's not writing a check. <laughs> no, no, she's not writing a check. 
No, but it's not funny. The, 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 Never well, written a check to me in eight years. That's for damn sure. She um, pays through online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's so much to unpack there. First of all, you've got the accountant that hasn't raised prices in eight years, doing probably the bare minimum, not really providing any advice to help the business owner, the client build a better business. He wouldn't even log into the QBO file when I said eight years ago, how about if I just give you access? He said, no, Didn't you want can it. send me the reports in PDF. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's and we've said this in a previous couple of episodes, there are those accounting firms that are that tax business model and that's all they want to do. That's okay. But yeah, it seems as if they're doing the rest of the profession, the rest of the industry, a bit of a disservice. Yeah, you know, and I know that he was throwing her personal tax return in free, and this account wasn't going to do that. And I don't blame him. Yeah. I don't blame him. You know, I mean, come on. But I do think the message here is even these accounting firms that making that move into the business advisory are helping their clients set up that bookkeeping function, maybe doing the bookkeeping function, the payroll function, whatever it is they're still struggling with that communication of here's the value that we bring. We are a true business partner. We're not a year-end compliance. We're a business partner that's making your business more successful, more efficient, more productive, more profitable. You as a business owner, helping you pay more tax by helping you make more money. But they're still struggling with how they communicate that. Yeah, and saving you in places because they know the tax code and they know you are business. And they've had control of it all year. They know where it's at. In this case, I was able to give this new CPA the first thing they did. So, Penny, you've been doing their books in QBO. Yeah. Can we have access? Yeah, absolutely. Here you go. So, you know, and I've done that with three clients here that are local to where I am who have us working in their QBO who've asked me for a tax account. And it's like the minute I do it is like, here, log in. And they go, wow, these books have been closed every month. Yeah. They're closed. There's nothing in uncategorized. It's all done. And all the documents you need are in this folder. Here, have access. You better be careful, Penny. They'll be sending you more business. <laughs> I don't want, but I see, I don't. No, I know. But I was just like, you careful what you wish for. But like, I know like my, I've known accountants over the years that they show the value of that tax return by saying, this is what your tax return looks like before I get started. This is what you owe. And they, and you, you go, Oh my God. And then they do their magic and then it's, this is what you're all. Oh, that's a lot more palatable. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're worth what I just paid you. But also I think, you know, if you're listening and you like tax, but you actually understand what we're saying in terms of having really good books, it reminds me of that client of yours up in Chicago, I think, where she does the advisory CFO work. She doesn't Mm -hmm. do the tax. She doesn't do the bookkeeping, but it's almost as if, again, different model. But if you really love the tax, but you know the value, there's no reason why you actually can't build a bookkeeping function in your office through something by partnering with Moneypenny and outsourcing it and actually being able to charge a premium for your tax services as a result of good, clean books and timely data that allows you to, to weave your magic, so to speak, on from a tax perspective. Well, yeah. And I think that if you have control of somebody's books from a business perspective, and you have access and you can close those books every month and you the reports and you know the numbers are correct. That means you've been collecting documents all along and you have cloud-based access to everything. The flipping tax return becomes a slam dunk because the biggest problem with tax return 
is not the production of the tax return. It's the collection of the documents and when they click all of made a comment about that. So the people are just sending out their tax organizers in February. And, you know, and we have somebody who's outsourcing with us who, you know, he goes, well, I'm going to get those printed next month. I'm like, like <laughs> print out organizers and mail them. How much is it going to cost you? Why are you doing this? And then have somebody come in and not even have it filled out and they're carrying it in an envelope. It makes you feel like you're yeah, really not in the game. But the value of being able to access that and have it and know it's done right, closed every month, then as a tax accountant, if you have more of that going on, if you have that relationship like my client in Chicago has with her tax preparer now, he doesn't have to worry about anything. She's every month, she's closing those books. Every month she meets with those clients. She is not an accountant. She's not a bookkeeper. She's an MBA in finance. And she's managing and she's being a business manager and she specializes in a niche. And those books get closed. I know because my team has a deadline to close them every month. And then she meets with the team and they go through all the uncategorized. Everything is cleared out. Doing that tax return. That tax accountant has everything. They could pop into the files at any time during the year and just do a check to see, hmm, where's this person going to be at in a couple of months? And also, if you sort of think about, sort of take that then to the client experience, your client, the example that you shared with us, yes, she called you for validation, but once she sort of got her head around it, she had no problems paying a premium for it. And I think as well, when you do have this experience for your clients, which is timely, the timely, paperless, digital, access anywhere, anytime, really good communication back and forth, there's very little price resistance when you provide that level of service. I mean, the idea that we're in mid-February and the returns are getting filed for those clients that have got their shit together, so to speak, they're not complaining about the price. If their returns are in process, the clients, the accountant has been communicating, got the data, keeping them up to date on where the return is in the process, they're not complaining about the price, are they? Whereas the ones that are sort of chasing the accountants for more information, the ones where there's this sort of, I won't say antagonistic, if you will, but whether where it's a real grind to get that return done, I'd imagine that that's where the disgruntled price sensitivity comes into play. But those firms that have this closing the books, processing the information, making it available, click here, click there, here's your return. It'll be filed on the 25th of February, the 5th of March. They're not worried about the price that they're paying for that level of service. No. Well, no. And if you're getting yours done on time, you probably have a better relationship with that tax accountant than anybody else who goes on extension. And probably your bookkeeping team and all that type of stuff, whether it's you doing the bookkeeping, the firm doing the bookkeeping, outsourcing, whatever it is. But actually that sort of brings me to the brings us to the next topic. And I saw this on tax Twitter. And and actually, if you're a Twitter, I'm assuming if you're on Twitter and you're an accountant, you've heard of tax Twitter, but it's a really interesting thread and conversation that happens not only about legislative issues, but also practice management and other quite diverse topics. But it was an interesting one because I think basically the thread was along the lines of Bench.co is very publicly promoting the price of their tax services now, as well as their bookkeeping services. And and so the conversation was, how on earth does Bench do the tax return so cost-effectively? And also, 
I guess the other question was, is are they putting basically the price for their simplest clients online and that's therefore doing a disservice? I think that's a typical marketing thing is called a loss leader. Yeah. You get in there and it, you know, it'll be like, well, yeah, for this size of business, you know, it's be like the typical, you know, bronze, silver, gold package. But well, all, all of those prices say from $400 a month yeah, from, right. but, and so, but no customer actually reads the from that they go in with the expectation that, well, hang on, my other accountants charging me, wants to charge me six grand for this, but you're telling me that I can get it done for three and a half grand. But it's like, no, no, we're saying that it, yeah, if you were the simplest of simple businesses, then we could get that done for this price. Well, here's, and here's the caveat. And I've always believed that. In fact, I used to have this conversation with Mark Colbert that if you could control the flow of the accounting data starting January 1st, and you can do it under the control of you're going to have access to everything you need when you need it to close those books every month, then doing the tax return is easy because you've been in it every month. You know that the numbers are real. I mean, for crying out loud, how many times if you go to a, a tax account and you've been doing your books internally in your own company, do you think he trusts those numbers or she trusts those numbers? No. And they go through them and they find mistakes. They find nuances. Whereas if you've had control of those books and that person signed an agreement and gave you access, they didn't say, oh, well, I'll mail the bank statements. And I don't know if I want to give you access to them. Because I know Bench, I worked for a company that helped them with their backend fetching. They're getting access to what they need at the moment they need it. That's the deal you make with them. You're not allowing any dams to occur in their business model. So you're saying that their tax promotion, for so do the tax work for $400 a month, is the loss leader said we can do it for $400 a month as long as you give us the $1,000 a month for bookkeeping or the $500 worth no, no, of no, that's all wrapped that up. goes into it? No, they're going to do the tax return and it's wrapped up and it's an annual one-time fee at that price. You pay now and we will do everything for the rest of the year, but you got to do it for a solid year, right? Oh, so they're doing the bookkeeping as well. Yeah, that's the way that ad is written. So basically is. You give us absolute control of everything and we have access and we do this on our schedule. So if I've got everything prepaid up and I have it all scheduled and I have control of the flow, do you think I can find a very inexpensive way to get this all done and make some profit off of that? Hell yes. Oh, bookkeeping. I didn't actually read the entire thread. (laughs) So bookkeeping and tax is done for you for three ninety nine a month. Oof. But you're paying all the No, no, no. I, I get that. I get that. But again, just sort of if I'm a business owner and I see that ad, I'm like three ninety nine a month, tax and bookkeeping. What the hell am I paying? Well, all let's down the road. Yeah, for? Then, then you'd have to log on and look at the fine print. You have one yeah, yeah. bank account. You have one credit card. You know, ten transactions. And, that, and you know, and you're <laughs> this type of business. That kind of thing. So, I mean, I'm sure that the, once you log in, there's probably a checklist of how you fit in to that pricing model. But, you know, think about the administrative cost savings when you've got full control and you've been paid up front. 
And I would, yeah, absolutely. But, and, and then I would also say that one thing I don't know a lot about Bench, but one thing that I did learn about them is they are quite specialized and certain industries yes. don't fit into this model. And so same type of thing for a listener out there that you can actually do this if you become highly vertical. You're not going to get this done at three ninety nine a month if you've got inventory and a POS yeah. from your e commerce. That's not going to happen. Or, or alternatively, you're not going to get it done for three ninety nine a month if you've got a dental practice, a mechanic, a hair studio, a construction company. But if you had just construction companies, you could become very confident in your pricing structure because of the standardization of activities, standardization of tools and processes. So that's fair. Right. And as long as you have complete control and, and no dams happen. <laughs> Sorry, but that's where the cost comes. One time, this was many years ago, I was hired as a secretary to a salesman in a company that was doing online procurements way back in the early 2000s, like 2000, actually, 1999. So it was like fairly new technology that was mainly sold to hotels and lodge venues who had to do massive buyouts and for procuring food and nuances that you need to run a hotel and a catering service and all that. So about two weeks after working there, the CPA they hired came over and looked in my cubbyhole and said, so the salesperson who over here tells me that you know something about a program called QuickBooks and I went, yeah, I know a little bit about it. And so he goes, can you show me how to create an invoice in QuickBooks? And I went, yeah. And I said, how are you doing your invoices now? And he showed me. And I went, wow, every one of these invoices costs you eight bucks every time you send it out. Did you know that? And I, so I broke it down, what the cost was to do this over and over and over again. And their ARs were way out of control. So I helped him rein that in and cleaned up his QuickBooks. And then the legal department came over and looked in my cubbyhole and they said, you're not just a secretary, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I got a lot more projects for that company after that. But anyways, I think that, you know, it was a matter of, in that case, it was a long time ago. It was early 2000s. He had never been in QuickBooks. He was a CPA. He understood how to be a CPA, but he didn't understand any of that aspect of it. And there are many tax accountants who just don't want to learn that. But if you do have that, if you have a cloud-based accounting system and you have access to all of the data and you have access to all of the statements, documentation, and I don't just mean bills. I mean sales tax returns. I mean, you know, loan agreements when you got a loan or if you bought an asset and you notified your accountant you know, this is something I bought. Okay, we have to amortize this. This is not stuff that they do at the end of the year. They're doing it throughout the year. So by the time they get to that end of the year for that tax return, it's pretty much done. Yeah. I mean, again, it's I see, the I opposite. mean, I, I think if you verticalized it and you niched it and you controlled all the data, you can load level yourself enough to know and take off a lot of administrative work and boom, you can make profit on that. But again, they're very nuanced and niched about the type of businesses that they take. Yeah, and you have to be. And you can't say yes to anything that, that walks through the door. It's just not right. going to work, is it? Yeah. Penny, I think that's a good place to leave today's episode because I think it's really an interesting, again, as we've sort of said, it's, I think we covered a lot where we're talking about business models and sort of how 
Namilla and Shamila have set the foundation for that growth and expansion and very excited for them over to pricing and sort of how accountants are communicating value and, and then rounded out with a little bit of industry verticalization, niching, and some of the marketing tactics happening in the market. So yeah, covered a wide range of topics today. Good. I know I think I could go take a nap because I got to get on this time zone. (laughs) Penny, yeah, recover, rest, recover, and look forward to catching up with you for our next episode. It might even be our episode number 50. And so listeners might actually see a change in episode number 50, but we'll see how, see if we can get it off the ground anyway. So All right. we'll see how we go. Sounds- Folks, Strategy in the Virtual Controller, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please do leave a rating for us and a review for us. Spread the word. If you see our posts on Twitter or LinkedIn, please do share those with your professional networks as well. That'd be greatly appreciated. And yeah, any questions, any comments, anything you want to run past us, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can find Penny Breslin. Damien Gray said we're pretty easy to find, but Penny, we'll talk to you next week. All right. See you, Damien.